Greetings and salutations, Crip Nation. Bryce Paul and the coal-fired pizza mind himself here at your service today. And that's not all. Today we have Rob Viglioni, CEO of Horizon, with us on the show today. This guy, Rob, man, he is unbelievable. He's a champion of privacy, and Horizon is working to build a new privacy-focused internet. Think about that. Privacy-focused internet, you say? Is that like how Web 1.0 was before Pop-Up started begging for my email address every five seconds? Bro, it's beyond that. I mean, this is like really cutting-edge blockchain technology with zero-knowledge proofs. It's secured by proof of work. Okay, well, that sounds kind of cool. But there's situations that do call for transparency and kind of require it. Like, I don't want to buy something online not knowing where it's coming from. Well, they thought of that. So while many other platforms are either open or like completely private, Horizon makes privacy an optional feature. So depending on the situation, both the users and the developers could give one another just the right amount of information. However, the whole entire network is encrypted end to end. So this makes stuff like packet sniffing and other traditional attack vectors on the regular internet totally obsolete. Wow, that's pretty impressive. But I've heard all sorts of great ideas and white papers that never really got finished. And what Horizon's doing sounds really hard. It is, absolutely. I mean, but they're not doing it alone, right? So to make this vision a reality, they have an enormous wealth management firm called Grayscale Investments uh, that are helping them out. And we have the famous crypto business leader, Charles Hoskinson himself, uh, and his IOHK Foundation, which is helping develop uh, Cardano and Ethereum Classic. Uh, so IOHK is also uh, assisting Rob. Whoa, okay. So those are some serious backers and hackers who know what they're doing. All right, I can't wait to learn more about what Rob and Horizon are really building. Let's welcome him to the show right now. Rob, welcome to Crypto 101. Thank you for having me, guys. So today we are super excited to get to know the Horizon platform uh, and all the things that you guys are doing to change the privacy game. But before we get into all that, why don't we acquaint the audience with who you are? And you know, we really want to get to know why you chose crypto of all the other industries that you could have chosen to work in. <laughs> that's, that's a very, very interesting question. So I, I came into the space because I really out of being a big libertarian. So I love the idea of just figuring out how to you know, make the world a better place and do this in a decentralized framework. And when Bitcoin came around, in particular, the idea of separating money from state was just so fascinating and something I just really want to be part of. And the more that I got involved, the more I saw that was going on, the more inspired I became. Um, so really, it, in the end, I, I just can't help myself but be part of this. And I was just having a, a little pre-talk with Pizza Minds about this, about how lucky we are to be in this space and how every day is just a ton of fun. Amazing. So let's just jump right into it. Horizon's slogan is bringing privacy to life. What is privacy to you? Why is it so important? And what does that really mean, bringing privacy to life? So I, I view privacy is absolutely critical in two different areas. The first is really just a fundamental human right aspect to it. And this goes back to the libertarian origins of why I'm even here. Um, but I, I do think that human beings have a fundamental right to just their own lives uh, and this manifests in many different ways, philosophically, but from a practical perspective, if you don't have the ability to just, you know, do some things in private, like communicate with other human beings, you know, have associations, um, you know, buy things without the whole world knowing what you're buying, uh, you, you know, and, and there's probably a thousand different things that we could mention. If you don't have these basic you know, privacies, then you really don't have freedom. 
Um, so that, that's one thing I think that freedom and privacy are absolutely critical to just human welfare. But the other really pragmatic side of this in the modern digital age that we find ourselves is, you know, we, we found out that there's an enormous amount of data that just gets produced every single day just by virtue of being a human being plugged into this digital world. And, you know, we, we don't have much control over the data that we produce. We don't have much control over where it goes, who gets to use it. And we, we all sort of implicitly, you know, sign these social contracts or implied contracts by using certain types of applications or websites, services that we, we, we give away our data. Um, so I think the other side of privacy is people are starting to realize this and realize the, the kind of growing importance of this information and data that we create uh, and are, are getting a little pissed that they don't have control over it. So the other side of privacy that we also focus on at Horizon is trying to empower individuals to really own their digital footprint, decide if they even want to have a digital footprint first, first and foremost, and then if they do, what do they do with it? Can you explain a little bit what digital footprint really means? Because we're so used to having this tech everywhere we go and our phone, you know, we don't even know what kind of data is really being collected. Great question. In fact, uh, I think we find out a little bit more every day. Like I, I was just watching the Snowden movie um, a couple of nights ago and just kind of shocked about, uh, you know, the kind of stuff that goes on. But you know, human beings generate a massive, rich amount of data, troves of data, everything from you know, what websites you're browsing to what services you're using, what apps you're using, uh, where your phone is, you know, having your phone on you, you know, tracks where you go, your physical location all the time, connect an Apple watch to that. And you've got a whole bunch of other metrics that are being constantly collected, you know, start using your Apple health app. And there's a ton of other metrics that are being collected. Uh, there, there's just so much out there, everything that you like, everything that you view, everything that you share, there's metadata that flows off all of it. Um, so I, I, another show, not to talk too much about things that I watch, but I was watching on Netflix something called The Great Hack, uh, which you know talked about the whole Cambridge Analytics a Analytica story and just a massive amount of information. They claimed that they had fifteen thousand data points that could describe every single voter in the United States. Um, so think about that: fifteen thousand data points. You know, I, I don't even know how you can construct fifteen thousand data points on me, you know, on myself. But apparently, this type of stuff exists, and it's enormous. Yeah, I mean, these algorithms that power search and recommendation engines, which they themselves, you know, power a lot of how we discover things on the internet, these algorithms take into account all the things that we search, we like, upvote, retweet, post, etc., right? It's just insane to think that we're all constantly being reduced down to these discretized data points and targeted for marketing based on our online behavior. So how is Horizon mitigating these intrusions of privacy? Is it a specific way that the tech works or is it just an outlook that your organization has? It definitely starts with an ethos and our ethos is to respect people's privacy, um, you know, first and foremost. Uh, when it comes to technology, we, we are a privacy-centric blockchain system. So uh, we leverage zero-knowledge cryptography. So we do the whole snark thing. We've also layered TLS into our uh, network. So basically our nodes now have point-to-point -point encryption. Uh, we have a, a messaging protocol that leverages the SNARK technology. And then we're building out this sidechain ecosystem that um, you know, every sidechain will be able to come with, you know, uh, some variant of uh, you know, a SNARK or a zero-knowledge library, basically, where now data that gets produced on our sidechains and data that gets produced on our network uh, users have the option to keep that information private. And I think that's absolutely critical. So when, when it comes to you know, our vision and where we're going from our current stage of technology now to where we want to go you know, some years from now, 
Uh, it's all about privacy and it's all about giving users that right to retain their own information, to disclose it to the world, to selectively disclose it, to disclose it by default, to keep it private by default. Um, so that's where we stand as a project. Very cool. So how are users actually going to be interacting with Horizon? You know, is this like a new internet where users can open up a browser window and just start, you know, privately browsing data stored in the Horizon blockchain? Or is there something more to it? Yeah, so we sure hope so. Um, our, our flagship app uh, is called Sphere by Horizon. It, it started off as really just kind of a souped up wallet. Uh, and from there, we're extending this. This is going to be the portal into our sidechain ecosystem. Uh, so ultimately, the vision here is to have uh, sort of this like sidechain marketplace where you can search for apps, search for different sidechains. Maybe maybe you're uh, you know running a node on our network and you want to act as a certifying node to earn some extra income. You can actually search the network and you know find sidechains that maybe you can run. Uh, so really, it's kind of like a Sphere by Horizon is designed to be this one-stop shop, uh, at least one uh, one-stop shop to the ecosystem. But you know, ultimately, we want to have many of them. As a you know, as an organization, we have limited throughput, and we could talk about how we're organized and what our capacity is or whatnot. But we ultimately want to have a lot of competition and a lot of decentralization. So right now, we're, we're initializing the system in our our own unique way, where we're creating things like Sphere by Horizon. Uh, we're creating the you know the different messaging protocols. We're creating different sidechain protocols. But ultimately, we want to continue to decentralize and have many of them. So what does that mean to the average consumer in terms of how they can use it? Like, I know you can definitely use uh, the Zen token to pay for things privately, but who would you say your closer competitors are? Is it more the Moneros and Zcashes of the world, or is it more like the Onion Routing Network and Tor? Yeah, no, that's an excellent question. So I would actually um, defer more to the latter. So I view what we're doing is creating this kind of backbone protocol. And we're not positioning ourselves really to be a privacy coin uh, strategically. So we have a privacy coin. Zen is a privacy coin, but that's not really our focus for innovation. Like our, our unique thing that we're bringing to the industry is a totally decentralized sidechain network. Um, that's what we do. That's our, you know, what makes us unique out there. Um, we're, we're not in the, the race of, you know, the Moneros, the Zcashes, the Grins, the Beams that are trying to come up with different types of privacy protocols. Uh, we have a really good privacy protocol that we, we inherited from Zcash. It, it's fantastic the way it is right now, and we're continually to make you know, we're continuing to make it more efficient. But really, the way that we see ourselves going, and this is where we fit into that competitive mix, is more as a kind of a network and a platform. So let's talk about some of the challenges that you and your team have faced the last few years as you guys have been building out this protocol and platform. Um, I know regulation is always a big headache. There's always technical hiccups. Uh, but what have you guys encountered along your journey and how have you guys improved from that? Yeah, so operating in this ridiculously volatile environment is a huge challenge. And this is probably our biggest challenge from an organizational perspective is uh, how do you how do you build project plans? So how do you develop a strategy and then develop project plans that help accomplish that strategy, then resource your project plans and, and then try to build things? Uh, and how do you do that in an environment where you're, the resources that you have are you know, fluctuating at, say, 90% a year um, and, and you know, fluctuating up would not be a problem, but fluctuating down becomes a problem. So just surviving this whole big you know, crypto bear market has been a challenge in itself. I, I think that it's made our organization much better. Uh, we're much, uh, much more robust of an org. We, we know how to do business much better. It really forced us to, you know, survive in, in, in a, an adversarial environment and come out much better for it. 
um, just other uh, you know realities that we had to face over the last couple of years. We we endured a fifty one percent attack, and what that did was it actually informed us to modify Nakamoto consensus to improve the you know, the basic protocol behind Bitcoin. Uh, so now we have a two a two check consensus mechanism, and not just the the longest chain rule working. Um, so every every challenge that we've had, we've you know. Uh, suffered for it, but then come out, I would say stronger. Oh, that's amazing. I actually never knew about the 51% attack. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it, it was definitely a, a crisis when it happened, but in the end it amounted to being a, a few hundred thousand dollars. They were, um, you know, stolen from one of our exchange partners, which is a tragedy in itself. But you know, that, that was a huge learning, basically a huge lesson for us that we had to do something. We just didn't want to be held, you know, kind of held hostage to this whole uh, 51% attack phenomenon. We, we wanted to engineer a solution that would take us outside of that. Yeah, really well done for overcoming that. It's really rare that a blockchain bounces back uh, from a 51% attack. And, and one of the many things that makes Horizon so special and resilient is that you have a very, very powerful ally in Mr. Barry Silbert from Digital Currency Group and the Grayscale Investment Trust Fund. Uh, which is where anyone with a normal brokerage account at like E-Trade or Charles Schwab can get exposure to Horizon through an ITF. It's a little different than an ETF. So can you talk about what an ITF is, uh, an investment trust fund, and what your relationship is with Grayscale? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, let me just say this is our one-year anniversary for having the, the Horizon Investment Trust in existence. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, it's a big milestone for us. Um, so it's... It, it's actually this relationship that you mentioned with DCG, Barry Silbert, Grayscale, which is a DCG portfolio company, uh, it is huge for us. It's I have to say it's huge in many different ways. Not just the the support of you know guys who are such experienced uh, financial professionals creating products like the the Horizon Investment Trust, but just having the the support and the network of DCG is tremendous. And, and I have to say I have tremendous respect for Barry Silbert because. He's one of the best investors that I've ever met in my life in the sense that he's a principled investor and he's not in it looking for short-term profit. Uh, he's in it looking for making strategic investments in organizations that he believes in their vision and he sees them executing on that vision in an efficient way. And he's there to support you. He's got your back basically no matter what. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also, it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recorded. Recordings, they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24-7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have, and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, 
Go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. As long as those things are true. Uh, so he's just been an incredible ally. Um, you know, the Grayscale team has been awesome. You know, these guys put together a Zen investment thesis when they launched their, their uh, trust product. Uh, and it's fantastic. Just looking at their research on what we do was an eye opener for me because it shows, okay, how do people external to our organization view us and what can we be doing better? So actually, uh, as part of that, and it's kind of a corollary from there, we've become very much a data-driven organization where we're constantly looking, we're framing our own assumptions and, and ideas in terms of being hypotheses and you know testing them against real world, world data. And that's kind of where we came from with that. And it's just awesome to have the type of you know, financial partners backing us um, that I, I think are extremely sophisticated, extremely well connected in the industry. So very happy about it. How ready is your product right so now? So we have a, a, a completely functioning production level blockchain that has modified consensus to you know, augment uh, the longest chain rule and be more secure, more robust there. We have uh, probably the largest node network in the industry. I think we're approaching about 30,000 full nodes that are operating on the system. All that, including our apps, our wallets, our messaging protocol, all that's functioning right now in production. The stuff that's new and, and extremely innovative that we're actually launching um, on our testnet as an alpha is our sidechain SDK. Um, so our software developer kit for, you know, for basically being able to initialize, launch, and operate a sidechain. Uh, we'll go live in September. So that's really the R&D component of what we're doing. So if you look at Horizon as a platform, you can say the platform aspect, which really comprises our sidechain system, is something that is still um, you know, being developed and will go to market in an alpha in September. But everything else that we've been doing for the last two years is in full production. Awesome. Congrats on the one-year anniversary. Um, so let's transition the conversation quickly towards the developers. Uh, we've got a lot of devs that listen to Crypto 101 and you know now there's literally hundreds of platforms to develop blockchain applications on now right so is there anything that horizon is doing to attract developers to the platform uh, i know some companies have code bounties or similar initiatives where they are rewarding devs for completing uh, certain tasks uh, but what's your incentive mechanism here there is actually so this is something that we're formally announcing tomorrow in our monthly live stream uh, we're actually we've created a project called the horizon developer environment HDE, and this is our answer to some of the problems that we see in the open source world. So some problems that I see in open source are number one, um, people need to eat. And if you don't pay them, you know, okay, sure. You can get a trickle of volunteer effort. And for, for really the, the major, really well-known projects, they get a ton of, you know, open source contribution. But if you're not one of, you know, the Bitcoins or the Ethereum, it's really hard to attract uh, high quality open source developers. So we're creating a, a kind of a social gamified environment 
that acts as both uh, kind of an uh, adjunct to our Horizon Academy, which already exists, which is an education platform. So we're, we're kind of combining our education platform with our GitHub repository, gamifying that and plugging in bounties to really create a curated ecosystem or a curated environment for developers to come in. Whether you're a brand new developer, you want to learn coding, well, you can do that with us. We have some curated simple projects that you can actually contribute uh, you know, real time to our repositories. Or if you're an experienced developer or really senior developer, you can come in in different capacities. You can take on more complex projects. You can do code review, you can do testing. And all of these things, ultimately, I want to be uh, in kind of a reputation environment where you come in and you produce consistently, you're earning bounties all along the way, but you're also kind of leveling up like you would in a game. And as you level up, you get different privileges and different opportunities. And ultimately, the way that I see this, like the big vision is to create a truly decentralized workforce. Uh, one that's autonomous, one that's you know kind of running on its own without our real oversight. But you know, it, it all comes down to what we're doing on the HD. And, and this, uh, we're setting up now because we know we're going live with the sidechain SDK in you know, end of September. And that's the perfect opportunity now for developers to get interested and get involved. Um, so first we're creating the HDE, then that will be ready for when sidechain SDK goes live. And there we have a plug and play mechanism to attract developers. What is your vision for the future of crypto regulations and privacy blockchains? I know there's uh, so many great use cases for blockchain being open and public. Um, while you know it takes away some privacy, it also holds accountability. And there are many use cases where that's appropriate and many use cases where it's inappropriate. Uh, what uh, are in your latest you know research and discovery, you know, what's the government's regulations and opinions on what you guys are doing? And do you foresee that being a hurdle? Uh, yeah, so that's a great question. I, I'd say my uh, my early career, actually, I kind of skipped the whole part of where, where I got to where I am now. But my first part of my career was actually in the military and military intelligence. So I, I, I can tell you, I, I don't want, there, there is a dark side to privacy. And I don't want, you know, terrorist organizations as an example to ever take our tech and, and use it to their advantage in, in some way that ends up hurting people. We don't want that. Um, the industry as a whole, I think, has to accept that this is a reality or of a possibility. But there's, you know, to me, that's a small fraction of possible use cases. And there's a massive, massive, massive kind of dwarfing that uh, set of use cases that are, are awesome, like huge benefit to society. Um, so I think when it comes to regulators, they're going to have to accept this reality that sometimes new technologies come with some downside. Uh, as an industry, if we're realistic and we acknowledge that these things exist and we try to you know, at least you know, be responsible on our own, I, I hope that regulators will take a, kind of a, a permissive stance or at least an educated stance to what we're doing, understand what we're doing first before they start regulating it and then realize that don't, don't kill the you know, the, the potential wonderful opportunity for us to create a new industry. So I think the regulators are going to, you know, have two different responses. One will be on the private money side. They're going to always be clamping down. This will be pressure on the industry that will always exist and probably ratchet up. Uh, I do see this as primarily affecting exchanges. And you're going to see exchanges and, you know, jurisdictions like the U.S. are going to constantly require KYC AML compliance. Um, they already do now, and, and maybe they'll ratchet that up. I don't, I don't even know how they would do that. But really, that's kind of the point of regulation, in, in my opinion. We'll focus there. And then on the other side, I hope that they're extremely permissive and welcoming of the consumer privacy stuff. 
consumer privacy, messaging privacy. Uh, I, I hope that these things are never, never really challenged or never questioned as, as legitimate because there's so many legitimate use cases for them to help humanity and there to just create strong economies. However, the government, and not just the U.S. government, but I mean, let's start with there. They built this enormous supercomputer in Utah recently to be able to listen into every phone conversation, every text message, everything that goes through the internet and be able to process it all, supposedly for anti-terrorism, you know, whatever. And they also, you know, have many agreements where, where countries can't wiretap their own citizens, so they do it for them and vice versa and things like that. So even before blockchain became a hot topic, governments wanted to know what their citizens and what other country citizens were doing. And privacy blockchains and privacy currency and you know private internets really goes against uh, their rhetoric and what they want. You know, they could simply pass a law saying anything like Horizon is not allowed to operate in this country or they want to shut it down. I mean, are you guys prepared with contingency plans to go to another more friendly region where Horizon can exist? Do you guys have, are you going to be relegated to sea land with the pirate bay? You know, what, what can we really, you know, expect in a worst case scenario? You know, I guess what I'm asking in short or in the long way around is, will Horizon continue to exist regardless of what the government says? Yeah, so I, I would say unambiguously the answer to that is yes. And that's actually why we're trying to decentralize fast. Uh, and we have basically uh, this whole you know, sort of elaborate path to decentralization that is meant to make us resilient to that type of kind of dystopian future. I, I don't see it as the most likely outcome. I, I do think it would be a tragedy. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're ready to, to jump to a different jurisdiction if we have to. We're trying to decentralize our, our funding pools so it can just kind of uh, you know, operate autonomously without, uh, you know, a formal legal entity. Uh, we're doing all that stuff. We're, and we're trying to do it uh, in, in an accelerated fashion. I just don't see that as the, the most realistic outcome. And the reason is, uh, you know, sure, there are these agencies within governments that are doing things that are, quite frankly, illegal, in my opinion. Uh, I'm, I guess I, maybe I shouldn't say that because I'm not that type of constitutional. I'm, I'm not a lawyer. I'm certainly not a constitutional lawyer. But the things that they were doing, I, I think, were illegal and I think are you know, broadly frowned upon by society. It, the way governments work is that one big entity we call government comprised of human beings. And there's many different sub teams or sub components of this thing we call government of different you know, human beings. And sometimes they have conflicting or, or different objectives. So you have parts of government that really care about consumer privacy and parts of government that really care about, you know, <laughs> I, I know different other aspects of privacy, maybe communication privacy or not. And then you have other aspects of government that want to snoop on everything that we do all the time. Um, but it's not, it's not completely ubiquitous. And I hope that we have an open, you know, honest debate within our society uh, to you know, really retain basic rights. But I should probably stop there because I'm really not an expert in this stuff. I just have my own opinions. No, we totally appreciate your opinion, and it's an educated opinion at that, so please don't apologize. I mean, you're someone who's actively engaged in the space, you're speaking with regulators, technologists, you're all over the world, all sides of the business. So yeah, we really appreciate you speaking so candidly about that kind of stuff. So before we let you go, one of the questions we really like to ask our guests is, you know, who are your role models in the space? What are a couple people that you really look up to that you think are making a tremendous impact? So you've mentioned one of them. I'd say Barry Silbert's one of those guys that definitely look up to, and he's just making a tremendous 
uh, tremendously positive contribution to making this technology more ubiquitous, more mainstream um, by supporting so many of the projects like ours that, that are trying to do that. Uh, other guys, uh, you know, I definitely have to throw my respect out there for Zuko. Um, you know, we are basically a Zcash baby in, in terms of our privacy technology. So I, those guys have just done a tremendous job with really advancing the state of the art on privacy technology. Uh, and then if I can slip in a third one, I would say Charles Hoskinson, who's been an advisor to our project. Uh, and we also work with an IOHK uh, R&D team out of uh, Ukraine um, on, on our sidechain technology. So I, I very much respect what Charles has done for making this space more academic. Um, because early on, it was really just very much like, let, let's tinker, let, let's do engineering experiments, you know, in, while things are in production, uh, which isn't really best practice. And it, it, it really had this kind of, let's just build things and see what happens mentality, which I think is great. It's very entrepreneurial and startup oriented. But at the same time, what I love about what Charles has done, he's layered in this kind of academic um, or built this academic layer onto things to do more, uh, you know, robust or rigorous research and then build things with it. So we, we leveraged uh, Charles's team at IOHK for some of that rigorous academic stuff. And then we also have, you know, the engineering, let's just build things and, you know, see how things go approach. So it's kind of a hybrid approach. And I'd say these three guys are, are, you know, giants in this industry. That's for sure. So if someone was just getting into this industry for the first time, and this is the very first podcast they heard, what would you want them to know about what they're getting you know, into? I want them to, to realize that everything we're doing right now is one big experiment. Uh, what I love about it is it, it's an evolutionary environment in the sense that it's permit, permissionless. Basically, anyone who has an idea and some resources or some talent can jump in and start building, start, uh, you know, start a business, start contributing in some way. Um, so there's so much innovation that's going on. Uh, there's this really big hive of innovation, um, but a lot of things are going to fail. You're going to see tremendous, you know, a continued, in my opinion, high volatility of things. So just go into it with that mentality. Don't be too cavalier. If you make some money early on, don't think that, you know, this is just the way things will always be. And just be, be prudent, be cautious, you know, approach it from a skeptical perspective, but one that's cautiously optimistic. So I think what we're doing here is, you know, game changer. We are creating a new industry and things will have some you know, fantastic outcomes to it, but there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of ups and downs. So just be prepared for it. Those are some very great words of wisdom, Rob. Thank you so much for your time today. Um, so if Crypt Nation wants to hit you with a follow on Twitter, where do we point these guys? Yeah, it's just uh, at Rob Viglione. Um, you know, pretty active on Twitter, uh, Telegram as FinPunk. Um, and, you know, just join any of our channels, come to our website and you can find us, uh, you know, team is pretty active with our community. Awesome. And also don't forget to follow at Horizon Global. That's Horizon with an E, not an O. Mm -hmm. And as always, Crypt Nation, if you guys haven't joined our Facebook community yet, just Facebook search Crypto 101. We're right there at the top. Uh, and if you haven't already, go ahead and follow us on Twitter. That's at Crypto 101 Pod. Rob, uh, thank you again, man. We will see you around. Cool. Likewise. Thank you. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. 
With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.